Welcome to the TRI Research Group podcast, the latest in palliative care and end-of-life research. So today we have Professor Marin Gott, who's the director of the uh, TRI Research Group. Welcome, Marin. I understand you had a very early start this morning. Kia ora, Jackie. Yep, yep. You're very lucky that I'm here because I got up at 4.15 this morning to give an online presentation. Oh, tell me a bit more about that. Uh, well, I was invited to speak to University College London and, mm-hmm. and Marie Curie um, and to talk about equity in palliative care. So, yeah, even though it was really early, it was great to have the opportunity to talk about something I feel very passionately about. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like it had some great response. I saw it being tweeted this morning. Yeah, there was quite a lot of my Twitter friends online watching. So, yeah, nice. they, they tweeted it, which was great. Nice. So what were the main points that you were talking about? What I was essentially trying to argue was that we needed to move to a situation where equity became mainstream in all the research that we do. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, pointing out that there's really good pockets of, of equity research happening, but they tend to be sort of single standalone projects or individuals leading programs. And really, we have to move to the situation where every piece of research that's mm-hmm. done within palliative care has an equity focus or has thought about how an equity focus could be applied. Mm. So can you give me an example of how somebody might do that? Well, I mean, one example, which is quite straightforward, really, is, you know, there's a lot of systematic reviews and narrative Mm. reviews done in palliative care. um, And often there aren't subgroup analyses, for example, by gender or by race and ethnicity. um, And That can often be because there aren't the data there, so you can't actually look at those equity issues in much detail. But what you can do is to point out that actually um, this is what we know and this is who we know it about. Mm. So we know X about quite a small group of people most of the time, um, Mm. mainly white people, mainly middle class people, often people with cancer. Um, And so I think that's a real opportunity to point out where the equity gaps are. And I don't really see us doing that at the moment. And I think, you know, that's something that we could do really easily because we all do some sort of literature review to inform where we go with our work. Mm. And um, being, uh, you know, doing most of your research in Aotearoa in New Zealand, the equity issue has obviously become a big thing with the health reforms. Um, How do you see it, you know, moving towards a more international perspective around equity? I mean, obviously, we've got a big focus of it here in New Zealand at the moment, um, particularly with our Māori Indigenous population. Um, how do you see it? You know, what, what's the learnings around that internationally? I think um, there is a move towards thinking more about equity generally mm. within the context of COVID. I mm. think we've seen a lot of inequity become visible, mm. which is great. I mean, I think it's important that we see the equity, the inequities that exist. Um, obviously, you're you're right that with Māori, it's a, a particular concern here. So, I mean, I shared some of what. I learnt, um, particularly having moved to Aotearoa 11 years ago now, mm. and what I'd learnt about trying to work in the equity space and particularly to support Māori um, to realise their end-of-life aspirations. And what I was really arguing is that we need to start with ourselves, that we tend to start with the other, with the marginalised or the vulnerable or the disadvantaged or whatever language we need. Sorry about my phone, Mary. That's okay. Nice ringtone. You're a very busy lady. <laughs> well, it's actually my daughter, but nevertheless. Anyway, carry on. So I think one of the things that um, I've really learned through working in this space is that we need to start with ourselves, that we have a tendency to start with the other, mm. particularly in our research, with the disadvantaged or deprived or you know whatever language we want to use around that but actually we need to start with ourselves and recognize that we're part of the problem 
that we're part of a system whereby some of us have a lot more privilege than others. Um, so this morning I started by talking about myself as a professor and you know how being white really helped me to get to this position because um, as we know about 85% of professors in New Zealand are white which does not reflect our demographics or our obligations under the Treaty of Waitangi. Um, and there's work, for example, that Tara McAllister and mm. colleagues think show actually only 2.6% of professors in New Zealand are Māori. So it's just really interesting to reflect upon, you know, my privilege and, and um, how that's helped me to, to get to the place I am, because I think a lot of our privilege is completely invisible. Mm. So I was trying to argue that's not just for us individually, that we need to start with ourselves, but we also need to look at our system and see where those sort of invisible inequities exist. Mm. And I was arguing that um, palliative care policy is really formulated around white middle-class, middle-aged men who live in secure housing um, with supportive family networks. So what, how, is it, how has it come about that we've got to this place, do you think? Is that a reflection of society generally? Or is there something about palliative care that has, you know, brought us to this place where that's the case? I, I mean, I think it's a microcosm of society in mm. general. Mm. I mean, I think it's often hard to say things like, you know, within palliative care, there is racism, there's mm. sexism, there's ableism, that there's a lot of defensiveness. But of course there is, because that's yes. that's the society, society we live in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So of course it's there. And I think we just have to be, you know, have the difficult conversations about where it is and what we collectively can do about that. And mm. some some of that will be potentially hard for people because... When we talk about inequity, we might be talking about moving resources from some people to other people. And we're already a sector that feels very under-resourced. Mm. So I can imagine that that sort of conversation could be could be quite challenging. Mm. Mm. So in terms of, you know, within the palliative care, end-of-life care space, how do we move forward? You talked about making sure that we address or at least make visible inequity in everything we do in our research how do we move forward in terms of making real life change around how we uh, use our research to, you know, you talk about services, feeling uncomfortable about moving money around, for example. How do we help as researchers to... Well, I think, first of all, we have to do the research that supports that to mm. happen. So to actually, you know, make equity issues very visible and much more visible than they are at the moment. Um, one thing I reflected on this morning was, you know, I was asked what kind of some of the, the low-hanging fruit. And one of the things I was reflecting on was the, the sort of diversity of our workforce. And I think that's a place where services can start is to see um, who's actually sitting around the table, who's making decisions within hierarchies, who's actually got power. Because you might have, for example, Māori as part of your workforce, but what sort of power do they have to make any sort of decisions um, and certainly you know we see what we're doing in the school of nursing at the moment to try and make it a, a safer space for the Māori students to try and build the Māori nursing mm. workforce but it's been really important to start with our own um, staff you know what does the composition mm. of our staff look like and what about I know you and I've had some conversations about this before is you know you talked about you know the percentage of you know white um, Europe, you know, New Zealand European professors and the academic world is dominated by white middle class people and yet we want to engage in research to support 
um, populations that may not have had the, you know, the, the advantages that we've had. How do we engage with those communities in a way that is not about us going in and perpetuating the issues around inequity? Can you give, give us some examples around that? Um, I mean, it's difficult, but I think first and foremost, we have to listen. So we mm-hmm. actually have to stop taking up the space that we take up. I think we dominate a lot of things and we make it about us. Um, and I was reflecting on kind of that white saviour thing mm. that happens mm. and that we can see there's a film that wants to film in New Zealand at the moment about the, the mosque shootings. Um, and there's been massive outcry because lots of us feel that, you know, that's not a white, white story. That is a story that belongs to the Muslim community. Yeah. That is their story. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, we have to recognise that. And I think that's quite hard because I think many of us are drawn to palliative care because we want to help people. Yeah. So actually, one of the things I really wanted to get people to think about is, yes, there needs to be change. But first of all, we need to stop. Mm. We need to reflect. We need to listen. And we need to, you know, meet people where they are in the spaces where they want to meet with us. And, you know, really try and find out how we can help, not Mm. assume. I think we often assume that we know how we can help and what people need. But my experience has been that that's really not the case. Yeah, it's an interesting thing around how we connect and um, partner with those communities in a way that isn't about the power differential as researchers, I think, given the fact that we are predominantly white New Zealand European um, researchers. Mm, or, well, recognises the power differential. Yeah. There will always be a power differential, but how can we have a relationship that... <coughs> kind of minimises that as, as much as possible mm. and recognise mm. that people might not want to work with us. Mm. You know, there's a massive history of researchers going in and taking things from people. Yeah. Yeah. And we always have to start with, well, what is the benefit to the people that, yeah. that we're working with? Yeah. In their terms, you know, yeah, yeah. think about impact. You know, we often write about what we think the impact is. We have to do that in our research grants. Yeah. But working with tests and Māori communities, you know, it's really helped me understand better how we have to start with mm. what communities want and work backwards. So do you think, like, you had a big international audience this morning, were they, they're mostly from the UK. Um, did they talk, did they get questions around some of the challenges that they have in their populations? And do they? do you think they, I always wonder about what we have here in New Zealand around how we communicate it to international audiences. Do they get it? Is there, I hope do so. they have different issues? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to talk to what mm. the issues are in the UK mm. right now. I hope they did get it because mm. I've had pushback and people not understanding what I mean when yeah, I talk about... Yeah, it's an about, uncomfortable space, I yeah, think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, for example, there was an editorial recently in Palliative Medicine, mm. um, excellent editorial by Jamila Hussein and, and colleagues, talking about racism. So I think... Um, there are conversations happening, but because of the experience of colonization here mm. and the treaty, I think you know we have been having those conversations, and maybe we have something to share mm. in terms of you know, mm. particularly in terms of how we can be allies in mm. that space. And I was certainly saying that you know I'm not an expert. I don't want to be held up as some sort of expert. I'm just sharing my experience, and also that Aotearoa is not some sort of sort of equitable paradise no it's really not we've still got a long way to go we have got a really long way to go but I think many of us are are seeing now how far we've got to go which feels like a step forward well thank you for sharing um your early dawn presentation that you did this morning 
Um, and I'm sure that lots of people got, um, yeah, got some great, great messages from, from the work that you've presented. Um, I do want to finish with a question um, that we are spinning to everybody on our podcasts. And uh, you've heard of the bucket list. Yes, you might, I'm sure you have a bucket list. And um, we'd like to hear from you, um, you about if you had only 24 hours left to live, what is the one thing that you would want to do? Well, right now I'd want to get to the UK because I haven't seen my family in a very, very long time. Yeah. So um, that's the first thing that pops into my head. And, you know, we, we can't do that at the moment. No. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's there for a lot of us, both, yeah. you know, both people in the UK and people here. Yeah, yeah. Really so, challenging times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you. Kilda. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to know more about TRI, please go to our website. The link is in the description.